Hi, everyone. Welcome back and happy Monday. So happy to have you listening to this episode of I'd Rather Be Reading. I hope you had a great weekend that involved relaxing and reading and also remembering the fallen from September 11th, 2001. So switching gears to say I am excited about today's guest would be a huge understatement, probably the understatement of the year. Today on the show, we have none other than ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet. Now, you likely know Kirk as an analyst on college game day, especially during this time of year because college football is back and all is right in the world again. But Kirk has added another job title to his impressive resume, the author of the recently released book, Out of the Pocket, Football, Fatherhood, and College Game Day Saturdays. This book is a candid and honest telling of his life, from his boyhood days growing up in Ohio, to his days quarterbacking for Ohio State, to choosing broadcasting over a more lucrative career, even when some of his buddies told him to hang up his helmet and move on with his life away from his love of sports. When I interviewed him, I found Kirk to be humble, generous, and kind. Everything I hoped he would be. Take a listen to our conversation. The wonderful Mr. Kirk Herbstreet. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I enjoyed this book so much as I was telling you offline. And a common theme I found throughout is there is so much more to you than the various roles you've played throughout your life. For example, when you were at a a quarterback at Ohio State, you were more than just the Ohio State quarterback, but a real person with real issues. And now as an analyst on College Game Day, you're more than just, as you say in the book, a Ken doll who just happens to talk football. Um, This book introduces us really to the totality of you and not just the various roles you've played throughout your life. Was that one of the reasons why you wanted to write out of the pocket? Yeah, Rachel, there was so many. Um, yeah, I've been asked to write a book for a few years and I've just, I don't know. I just felt like who wants to listen to what I have to say kind of <laughs> in my head. I just didn't really feel like I, I needed to write a book. And then we got into COVID and a friend of mine who ended up writing the, the book, Gene Wojcikowski said, you know, would you, would, would you like to maybe look at writing one now? And I thought, you know, we were in the middle of quarantine. I mean, people weren't allowed to leave their house when he approached me about this. Everybody was locked down. I thought, uh, you know, let's let's maybe look at it. And so I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm 51. Mm-hmm. I opened up some some compartments emotionally that I haven't thought about in I don't know 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a taxing thing emotionally to be honest and to let people know, because I thought I, I could maybe help people. You know, I, I've been through, I'm just a normal guy. I, I've been through a lot uh, with mm-hmm. my parents with divorce and um, everything that that, that uh, has, has the impact it's had on me. And I think there are a lot of people that are either going through a divorce or survived a divorce or their, their kids are trying to cope with a divorce. So I thought, you know, that, that um, that's one example of hopefully things 
people can relate to me being painfully shy. When I say shy, I'm talking, I would, I would not give a speech, you know, like if I had got asked in class, I, I didn't want to get up in front of the room. I couldn't get up. I was just numb. I was so afraid. And yet here I was in gym class or at recess, I was in heaven and I was, I was playing ball or doing something. And that's how I made my friends. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, I just felt there was a lot to tell people about that hopefully they could relate to. <clears throat> and then I got into the, you know, the whole athletic aspect of it and mm-hmm. was very, very self-deprecating in my experiences as a, as an athlete and, and, uh, the challenges that I faced and, and how I overcame it. And, um, and so I don't know, I, hopefully people, hopefully it'll resonate. Hopefully people will be able to, uh, to, to get something out of it and, and to take a few life lessons that I've learned. I by no means have all the answers. Sure. It's just my own journey and, and some of the things that, that have I, I've experienced myself. And I just wanted to share them with people. Well, you look at you on TV and you don't, uh, there's no neon sign over your head that says, oh, he's a child of divorce. I am a child of divorce as well. And my parents divorce had the same effect on me as it did on you. And it was, it, it did mean a lot to me to have that put on the page because it's, it's something that I don't often think about. I don't dwell on that, but it, it was, it was really beautifully said how that feels. And, and that really resonated with me. And um, so thank you for that. So saying that you grew up a diehard Ohio State fan would maybe be the understatement of the year, right? Um, Your father, Jim, played for the Buckeyes and later coached there. And you committed to Ohio State because that's where your heart was. But as you chronicle so well in the book, you didn't really get your chance to shine until your senior season. So how did you manage to not give up or transfer or go a different direction, even when your college playing career wasn't necessarily going your way? That's, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, you just, you just said it very, very well. I, I grew up in the seventies in Ohio where Ohio state, I mean, you were in the backyard pretending uh, to be the Ohio State running back or quarterback and living out dreams in the backyard. My dad played, like you said, at Ohio State. He was a captain. I mean, it was like Ohio State was, it was bigger than life. And um, there was no internet. You had three TV stations. You were outside playing. I mean, and we were, me and my buddies, we were just living out, you know, our dreams back there. And then it became a reality. I went to Ohio State on a full scholarship. I could have gone to almost any school in the country and, of course, chose Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And then I, on my face. I just, um, the system didn't fit me. I was more of a kind of a dual guy, a runner, and this was more of an NFL system. And it just, I just didn't adapt to it well. And for two or three years, I was spiraling. Um, Emotionally, I became very cynical. Um, I realized my dreams were gone. And I just became that guy on the team that was a cancer. And um, I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to transfer. I wanted to do what normal human nature is. When things get hard, we want to leave. And my dad, he didn't say, you're staying. He was not like that. Mm-hmm. He was more. And it's like, you know, you're the, I just got a feeling you're this close. Just, just got to keep working. You got to keep staying in there. Got You know, there's more like that. And I did. And things started to kind of change. And I, I was seeing a sports psychologist. I'm happily a guy that open will open up, and I talk about that in the book. In 1990, by being a sports psychologist That's was not a whole other world back then. So I, I respect I, that. 
I was like, I was like looking over my shoulder, like, is anybody going to see me going into his room, his office? And I would like go in, like, I didn't want anybody to make fun of me or think less of me because I was seeing him. But I, he, he became my backbone, um, him and my parents, my family. And that's really your question. How did I get through it? It was Dr. Ferrante and, uh, and my family and, and my teammates, man, like that, that's really a big part of it. I was so fortunate to have teammates that believed in me and, and I, that probably kept pushing me as more as anything. So as the coaches would not give me opportunities, my teammates were like, her, man, come on, man, you got this. You know, they were very, very uh, uplifting and encouraging. So that, that helped me out quite a bit. Yeah. So then you have the stellar senior season and then it's over, right? So, you know, being a quarterback at a powerhouse school like Ohio State might, makes you kind of a, a demigod on campus, right? A celebrity. Uh, but then it, it's over. It, it ends. And just like that. And how sobering was it after you'd fought so hard to become the starting QB to no longer be in the spotlight? Yeah, you're, man, you're, you're all over it. Uh, that was tough for me um, because, again, lifelong dream. And all of a sudden, the blink of an eye, it's over. It was one year that I had to try to put four years into one. And I was expected to be a guy that would come in easily and be a four-year starter, and I wasn't. And I got to do it for one year. I was a captain, just like my dad, which was cool. And my teammates voted me most viable player, most inspirational player. So it was all, all very flattering. But now it's over, and I wasn't going to go to the NFL. And now I had to figure out what to do with life, and I didn't know. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a business major. Um, I, was, I, I was doing some interviews uh, my spring uh, quarter at Ohio State. I had some opportunities in pharmaceutical sales and Worthington Industries, a really good company. Very, very lucrative opportunities for a guy right out of college. Very lucrative. I, Even yeah, by today's dollars, you know, that's yeah, a great salary. Really, uh, you know, I, I, I was very very um, conscious of meeting people and shaking hands and, and being respectful to people. So when I got done, there were people that were out there that wanted to try to help me out, you know, to get into the business world. And I just floated out the idea to a couple of local radio stations. Hey, if, if you have any opportunities, I'd love to get into local radio. Didn't hear anything back for a few months. And then they hit me with, Hey, we want to hire you, pay you $12,000 a year. So then I had my first, my first real fork in the road do I take the corporate job and get into corporate America, stability, financial, financial uh, security, or do I take this radio show that I have absolutely no idea what it's going to lead to? It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'll get into TV, I'll get into game day, and I'll, you know, I had no idea. I just yeah. thought, hey, talk radio, right. and I chose that route. I, I went the radio route, and I ended up uh, obviously making a good decision, but my message there is follow your heart follow what you have passion for mm -hmm. and don't money. Don't worry just about, you imagine doing a job that you hate, but you're making decent money. You go to bed every Sunday night, just dreading another week of your job. I didn't want to be that guy. And so that's why I, I decided, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I just, just decided I learned a valuable lesson to choose something you love and, and something you have passion for and the finances will work themselves out. Yes. And, and even one of your Ohio state teammates told you get on with your life, you know, move okay. on from, from sports and let football go. But as you just I, said, go ahead. Everybody I talked to Rachel said, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you're done, move on. Um, you're crazy. Now I'm telling you 99% of the people I took advice from told me 
why are you even questioning this? Of course, you're going to take the company car, the 401k. Yeah. You know, great well, job. Paper, it makes it makes total sense to take, you know, the corporate job. Um, yeah. but you, you chose that lower paying job over that safe, uh, secure job because you you did want to follow your passion. So what gave you know that and you're what at this age, you're like 22, 23, right? You're yeah. young. So what yeah. what gave you the courage to do that, Kirk, when to believe in yourself before anyone else did? I don't know if I even looked at it like that. I think I, I grew up a huge sports fan, not just a football fan, a huge sports fan. And my, one of my hobbies was watching sports, all sports, and listening to sports talk radio. That was just who I was. Other, other teenagers were listening to music, and I just loved sports talk radio. Mm -hmm. And I think opportunity to, to actually do that in a top 30 market starting out. Again, I didn't think two years down the road would it lead to, five years down the road would it lead to. I think I just looked at it like, I don't know if I'm ready to get into the real world of corporate America. I, I just been through a grind of five years at Ohio State. Now, I don't, do I really want to jump in to corporate America and, and the stress of being a real, you know, grown up? Or do I want to go talk sports and, and talk about Guys and the Reds and the Indians and the Bengals and the Browns. I was like, I didn't even care. Hang me. Like, I, that, that sounds like a fun job, like a job I would love to do. Like every day I'd be sprinting to get to the studio to do the, that job. And so that that's probably how I viewed it more than believing in myself, because I I think I don't know if I even believed myself at that stage of, of my life. I think I was more not ready to be a real adult. And so I think I just wanted to do something that sounded fun after everything I'd been through after five years. And now, now going back and looking at it, that's where I learned the valuable lesson about uh, having the passion, uh, finding a passion in your life. And I always try to encourage people to, to try to find that passion because it typically it's going to work out if you do that. Well, spoiler alert, it worked out for you. <laughs> Flash forward, you're doing just fine. So you've had this iconic career and the book goes into that. But I want to talk about game day for a second. So you have gone on to be an integral part of building that iconic college game day show, which is an institution and required Saturday morning TV for me in the fall. We'll never miss an episode. What thank would you, you, yeah, oh, I mean, thank you. It's it's so <laughs> much fun. Um, so what would you say uh, game day's impact on culture is? Because it, it certainly has had an impact on culture. Well, when I started on the show in 1996, we'd have a couple hundred people around the show and Lee Corso wasn't putting on a mascot head. It was just a very different show when I, when I started on it. It was and still- let's it was, call out your wife for, that was her idea. Let's just call out yeah. Allison and say, go Allison, that was her idea. You put that in the book, I love that. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool in the book. But and Lee, every time Lee talks to me, he's like, how's Allison? Tell her. And he says it every time. Remind her, she's the one that got that Brutus. Uh, I'm so thankful that we got that Brutus. He tells me that every time I talk to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just putting a hat on. There was The show was one hour. It was very quick. Um, and then it's obviously grown. And I, I think... Now you could be at a show, we could have 20,000 people there. And just as far as you can see, it's, it's humanity. Um, just just ex loving college football and, and loving the pageantry and, and all that it has to offer. And that's what we try to really encompass, I think, on the show. You know, people ask us about the show and, and, and how it's grown so much. And I like to say, 
the sport, if we were doing this for college basketball or the NBA or the NFL even, or MLB, I, we wouldn't have this kind of success. I, I just think that, you know, living in Birmingham and going to Ole Miss, the, the passion for this sport is, is second to none. Yeah. And we've been just grow um, and, and keep our fans and our players and, and coaches as the forefront of what our show is about and not making it about ourselves. If you watch television today, a lot of studio television, a lot of these people, they make it about themselves. Mm -hmm. We do that on our show and we, we make it about the people we're covering. And um, we will always, as long as show that's how we will be doing it and so I, I i'd like to think I, I, others can speak about what it's done and, and how it's impacted you know the culture and, and sport itself i'd like to think we've added to it um we love the sport we take care of the sport like like you would take care of a son like we we genuinely care about college football and we try to put a show on every saturday with that thought in mind not how does it serve us but how does it serve the sport? That's how we, we try to live in that lane. And I feel like if we stay in that lane, then, then we're going to have a successful show. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just the best. There's just no, nothing to compare. So before I ask you my last question, I just want to, I want to plug this in here. So I learned so much about you from reading the book, including that you lost your father, Jim, to Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's okay. has um, deeply touched my life too. And I'm passionate about advocating for a cure. And I just want to put that in there because it matters to me. I lost three of my four grandparents to complications yeah. from Alzheimer's. And it is just the most brutal disease to watch someone you love go through. And I know, you know, that firsthand. So I just wanted to, to say that uh, we can commiserate on a, a lot of things. And that's the great thing about reading books about people is that you realize, you know, you and I have so much more in common than we ever might have thought on the surface, divorce, Alzheimer's. And that's why I love telling these stories and letting these stories be told because I feel so close to you just simply on the Alzheimer's connection. It's an unfortunate connection that I hate that we share, but um, yeah. I just wanted to put that in there. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, that, 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 that is a disease that uh, there, there are many that are very tough, but I think when you experience anything firsthand, you have uh, a, a more of an appreciation for how difficult it can be for folks. So I appreciate you sharing that and, and can only imagine what you went through with, with three of your grandparents and me watching my dad is just, uh, just, just, uh, just tough. So thank you. Thank you. And my last question for you is what do you want readers to take away from out of the pocket? Well, I, I hope they can relate to it. Like, it sounds like you've been able to relate to some of the stories. Yeah. I, I hope, and just really, re I hope it resonates more than anything with, wow, I, I didn't know that about him. Because, you know, when you see a person on TV and they're dressed up in a suit and tie and, you know, they're on a show on national TV, they, they look like they have their life all together. And boy, they must just have the perfect life and the white picket fence and all that. And it's like, I, I'm not that, you know, I, I, I just, I'm a normal guy. I just happen to work on TV and um, do a, do a show that's fun. And I love to cover the sport, but man, I, I've been through trials and tribulations and I, and I just, I'm hoping people can realize that, uh, you know, that, that guy on that show, I, I, I went through some of those things, you know, and, and that's cool that he, he, he opened up about that. I mean, if, if just that, you know, that, that would be great. 
it takes courage and bravery to tell your story. So thank you for doing it so well. And thank you for being here today. What an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Have a, have a great college football season. Good luck to your, uh, your Ole Miss ball club. I don't know if you're an Alabama fan being in Birmingham or Ole Miss, but. Uh, you got to pick a side. And I try to stay pretty Switzerland neutral and pull my Ole Miss card, but I'll, uh, I'll probably uh, get broken up with by my boyfriend. Who's also the producer of the show. If I say roll tide, so war Eagle. <laughs> Thanks, I, love I love it. Take care. Thank you for having us. I am so thankful that I got to chat with Kirk. And if you're in the mood for some other great sports memoirs, I recommend highly, first of all, Where Tomorrows Aren't Promised, a memoir of survival and hope by NBA superstar Carmelo Anthony. He details his childhood growing up in the housing projects of Red Hook in Baltimore and how he beat the odds to become the basketball legend that he is. I found this book so raw, vulnerable, and real. And from the coaching side of the house, I also really enjoyed Mark Rick's Make the Call. If you don't know who Mark Richt is, he is a former UGA, University of Georgia head football coach, and he is also coached in the NFL. And in November, we have a big sports memoir to look forward to with the release of Dwayne by NBA legend Dwayne Wade. And speaking of memoirs, two celebrity memoirs I really enjoyed lately were Forever Young by Haley Mills, who is the star of one of my favorite movies, The Parent Trap, the original Parent Trap, the pre-Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap. And this will all be over soon by Cecily Strong of SNL. Both of these books are out now and worth a read. So next week, we'll have on the program Kathy Andioli, author of Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. We just passed on August 25th, the 20th anniversary of Aaliyah's death in a Bahamian plane crash. And Kathy and I talk about that as well as her life and career and her legacy. So as always, I'd love to know what you're reading and what you're loving. Email me at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com. And please follow, rate, and review our show. It really does help us grow our community. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Monday chatting about Aaliyah. <laughs>